Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we doing okay on this fine Sunday morning? You needed your sunglasses driving in. Man, that sun was bright and beautiful this morning, and I'm glad that you are here. My name is Matt Ritchie. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and it's just a joy to be with you again. Those worship songs we just sang, uh, can we just give Jesus some praise for being Lord, for being King? And if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you are here with us. We are continuing our series in 1 Corinthians. Some of you are like, are we still here? Yes, we're still here. And you've heard from Pastor Keith a couple of times, heard from Roe last week. And our goal in this series is just to simply show you, explain to you, teach you what it looks like to live as people of God. And we've covered a broad uh, array of topics. And uh, like, so Pastor Keith, we gave him all the hard ones. Okay, and then uh, then uh, there's another hard one, and then we're like, yeah, he's gonna have to come back and do that message. And so you may be seeing him in the next couple of weeks or so. But uh, again, just welcome to our service today. If you're visiting with us, uh, there is a way to connect with us just by simply texting the word "new" to the number there on the screen. And if you have any questions about our church and how to maybe be more involved, just talk to us out here at the Next Steps uh, wall, and we'd love to chat with you. And then if you're joining online, you can text us as well. We'd love to just engage with you. Um, summer's been busy. It's, it's, it's kind of over, isn't it? How many of you feel like summer's over? You're just like, it's over. It was over a while ago. All the school teachers is like, it's been over for like since July. So, um, but school is starting up here again and uh, it, it changes things. But I would just like as the next gen guy, just take a few moments to thank you for how you invest in our kids ministry, our student ministry. We've had mission trips. Uh, we had a mission trip in June. We had, uh, let's see, we had VBS with about 250, 50, 60, 70 some kids, I think. We took teens to the mountain. We took about 150 teens to McCall. And uh, there was close to 200 people total with all the leaders. Then um, if you add up just how many kids we've touched through our kids ministry on Sundays and then on Wednesdays, your dollars, prayers, support touched about a thousand different kids this summer, not just here in Idaho, but even down in New Mexico and other parts of the country. Can you just give Jesus some praise? And then I wanna thank you for how you invest. And if you came prepared to give today, that's the kind of thing that we try to use God's money to do is to advance his kingdom for his glory and then for your children, your students, the next gen and a host of other ministries. And if you did come prepared to give today, there's boxes in the back, you can give online and all of that. And then today for you parents, uh, there's a little bit of a switcheroo today. Uh, grades are changing. So maybe your kid was checking into one grade last week and now it's different. Maybe that changes your pickup times or pickup place, not pickup time, pickup place. And so just pay attention and if you have questions about that or where to go, let us know. Find somebody with a lanyard. We'll try to help you know where your kid is. We didn't lose them, we promise, okay? So, all right, let's dive into 1 Corinthians 12. I'm gonna ask you to turn there. And I've named or I've entitled this, this message, Closeness Leads to Calling. Closeness Needs to Calling. And we're gonna talk about what it looks like within the church um, and can we agree that we have differences? Is, it, is the person sitting next to you different from you? Yes, okay. Turn to him and say, you're so good looking. Okay, never mind. Like, <laughs> that was not in my notes, but 
in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul uses the analogy of the human anatomy, a body to illustrate a principle that he, that he wants to lay out for the people in Corinth, the church. And as we look at this, I wanna remind you that diversity is okay. Differences are good. Now, we are all here together, united in this belief and, and dependence on Christ, but we're different. And by the way, God's plan is for us to be different. It's sort of his way. In fact, I would point you to Genesis 11 here just after the flood. This is close to 10,000 years ago. All the people that were on the earth at that time were all congregated together. They were building a tower and they were trying to build a name for themselves. And God actually comes down and he confuses their language in an effort for them to disperse. He needs people to be different. He wants people to be different to accomplish his will. And before I forget to say this, I just wanna say this right up front. Everything that I say today is not in any way a hint or, or an acknowledgement that God is somehow needy or weak. Can we just agree right up front that Jesus Christ is supreme, he is sovereign, he is king, he is Lord, and his plans will be accomplished no matter what. Can we just acknowledge that right now? Okay. So everything I say needs to be within that context. God calls us to live a certain way, but it's not like if we fail or fall short that somehow like he's gonna fall short too. He's not gonna fall short but there is a role for us to play. And as we read in Corinthians, it's important. And even secular psychologists and people of, to even today's society, they're like held up on an intellectual pedestal that really know what they're talking about. They will say, even apart from religion, apart from God, they will say, every person needs to know where you've been. Every person needs to know who they are, why we are here and where we are going. And, and all truth is God's truth. And just because someone who doesn't know God says that doesn't mean that it's a lie. It means that they've discovered the principle that God has laid out for us. We need to know where we've been. We need to know who we are. We need to know why we are here and we need to know where we are going. We need to have an aim in life. And the first step, and I'm just gonna literally jump right into your outline if you're taking notes. The first step is to know him. If you're filling out your sermon guide, union with Christ makes you a member of his church. Union with Christ makes you a member of his church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 is where we're gonna pick up our reading. It says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we, are, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Union with Christ makes you a member of his church. And this reference here in, in scripture, there's a reference to baptism directly. And there's, then there's an indirect 
reference to communion. And if you've been a part of grace very long, you know that once a month, we, we like to worship God with the taking of the elements of communion. And we just observe baptism in this very service. And so when we begin a relationship with Christ, there are some common steps that we all take together, baptism. And, and by the way, I just wanna remind you that baptism is not what saves you. There's nothing about the water that washes away your sin. Christ does that through an act of faith, a complete trust in him, and he changes you from the inside out. But the reason we do these things outwardly is to declare to one another that we are all part of the body of Christ. We're a part of the church and we want people to know that. In our culture today, we are, our, our communities are being fractured and pulled apart and, and, and we're, we're getting into this tribal mindset and I would submit that we're already there and we're allowing our differences to divide us. And what Christ and Paul is saying to us today is that it doesn't have to be that way. You can be different and still be together. You can, you can be different and diverse and still be united in purpose and cause belief. That is the message that Paul is laying out. And by the way, we, we get caught up in this idea of fairness. Anybody play the comparison game ever? Just scroll through Instagram or, or Facebook and whatever they're having for lunch is better than what you had for lunch, right? You're like, why didn't I get invited to lunch? We have information overload and, and we compare our lives and we look at other people's experiences or their, their economic status or their social status. And we begin to, even no matter where we are, we begin to think, well, there's, I could be doing better. Or I, if, and we did, if we're not careful, we'll tie our happiness, our self-worth, our, our value to our, to our experiences. There might even be a temptation this morning to think that if God is not blessing you and your path is not smooth and easy, then somehow he's not being fair. I wanna make sure that we walk out of here today understanding the fairness of God. He has leveled the playing field. So it doesn't matter what family you were born into. It doesn't matter what economic status you have today. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your background. He levels the playing field and he says, all come to the Father through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also says, I am the door. And Jesus says, it doesn't, it, it, if you're famous, influential, powerful, still gotta go through Jesus. If you're weak, if you're poor, if you're, obscure, if, if, if you're obscure, you still go through Jesus. It's fair. It's level. There are people that have had opportunities that we just didn't have. Bill Gates, founded Microsoft, billionaire. Like, I mean, like his name is all over the papers. But do you know that at 16 years of age, he was about the only teenager with unlimited access uh, to a computer at, uh, I think it was up in Seattle, Washington somewhere. I forget what university. No other 16 year old in the country had that kind of opportunity to go in basically whenever he wanted and just dink around on a computer and learn how to program. No other 16-year-old had that option. He took advantage of that opportunity and, and, and now by, in the world's eyes, he has some measure of success. Michael Jordan, um, he was cut from his basketball team when he was in high school. Anybody heard this story, right? Probably heard this. But then he, he made the starting lineup the next season because he grew like seven inches in like three months. That didn't happen to me, okay? And, and by the way, if I was 6'6", I would be as good as Michael Jordan, maybe even better because I, but I will never know because I, I didn't have the same opportunity 
that he had. And, and we can look at somebody like that and like, well, that, his advantage is just different than mine. His starting point in life is different than mine. It's not fair. What really matters in life starts with Christ and it's accessible to every single person. It's fair. And he says, you have the opportunity to be baptized into the spirit. In other words, it's a fancy way of saying, when you are united with Jesus, you are a member of his church. You become a part of the body of Christ. And I'm not trying to diminish the role of personal responsibility. And so there is a part for us to play, but even when it comes to church status, some of you may be sitting here today and you're, you're a member of Grace Bible Church. You've gone through our next steps classes, which by the way, are coming up in the fall. If you wanna know more about what we believe, our doctrines, how we operate, those classes lay all that out. And there's a final class where you can take that class and you can declare and decide to become a, an official member of our church. Some of you are sitting here today and you're an attender, or maybe you're just checking us out. Maybe you're just here for the first time. Again, I wanna say that even though membership is good, membership doesn't save you. Membership is not the difference between heaven and hell. It's engagement, it's, un it's unity with Jesus. And so no matter your church status even, and as a staff, we think we use that word engagement internally to try to see if we're doing a good job or not. And we're not the perfect church. We don't have everything solved or a question answered. I, I get that. We are more aware than probably you are of our weaknesses as a church. But collectively together, when we're united with Christ, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Can we just agree with that, right? And we're on mission and I wanna commend you as a church. I believe that largely this is a healthy, vibrant church that is making a difference, but it's only gonna continue to happen if we remain united with Christ. That is the starting point. And you can do all the things, you can serve, you can give, you can attend, you can be in a life group, you can, you can join a Bible study, you can serve in Grace Kids, you can do all the things, greet, parking, whatever, without a relationship with Christ. We've got it backwards. Now, if you are in relationship with Christ, some of those things may flow out of your life and become present. And it could be something where it's visible and, and you're maybe teaching or even like, I never aspired to be on this stage ever. The last thing I wanted to be was a pastor. And I had such a fear of public speaking when I was a kid. If you would have given me the option of death or giving a speech, I might've chosen death, okay? I might've just been like, just, I don't wanna do that. But whether you're parking or greeting or on the stage or maybe even doing something out in the community, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe you're meeting a felt need for a neighbor or whatever, that flows out of a relationship with Jesus. And when it does, it makes an incredible difference. That's the starting point. And if you're doing that, I would say you are engaged with Christ. You, are, you have engaged your heart and mind with his purpose. And like I said, these things flow out of an intimacy with Jesus and it can't be manufactured by human strength for very long. You can try it for a little while, 
but it's not going to be sustained over time in and of your own strength. You're gonna need the strength of God himself. In fact, Jesus says, I'm gonna put my spirit within you to enable you to live this out. And as you lean into his leadership in your life, he's going to clarify, he's going to make it clear what role you and I are to play. And that leads me to my second point. God has designed his church in such a way that everyone has a purpose. If you have been united with Jesus, you have a role to play. You have a purpose. You are here in 2023 sitting in these seats for a reason. I believe that. No one is here by chance or by accident. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, and he's speaking of the church, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Have you ever had an injury? A broken bone maybe? Something that wasn't right? And, and simple tasks that you took kind of for granted? suddenly became a challenge. I remember breaking my wrist when I was a freshman in college and I was in a cast from the back of my hand, actually it was my right arm, all the way up past my shoulder and it was locked at a 90 degree angle. And writing and even like just simple tasks like eating were suddenly challenging. I had to learn to do a lot of stuff with my left hand and it just wasn't very easy, at least at the beginning. And so I became very thankful for that tiny little bone in my wrist that had broken. But that tiny little injury changed my life. And I had to adjust. See, every single part of the body is necessary. It's there for a reason. It's for your good and for your health. And, and it's the same is true as the church. No matter what your role is, you might be tempted to think it's insignificant, but I wanna remind you that it is important and valuable. First Corinthians 12, 21 says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or nor to the head, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, weaker are indispensable. And what he's saying is you might not, like even the small things, when it comes to the human anatomy are important, they're valuable. And the same is true of the church. If you are tempted to think that your role is invaluable, I wanna remind you that it's not. Any football fans in here? Oh, come on, it's starting in like four weeks, okay? Even if you don't like football, you know someone who does, okay? And so, and I'm just gonna start confessing. Um, it's been seven years since Penn State has beat Ohio State and it's getting really old. And uh, my team, I'm from Pennsylvania. I, I've rooted for the Nittany Lions. And, and if we could just play quarterback, this year could be good. Even I'm optimistic. And so this is new year. And, and if your team, you know, before you've played a game, you're just like excited, maybe this is the year. Even if you're not a football fan, I think you can understand this. It is a team sport. There are skinny guys and not skinny guys, okay? There are people that throw the ball, people that catch the ball. There are backups, there are starters, there are coaches, then staff, there's kickers, and, and all of their roles, even their, even their body types, their conditioning, their practice is all tailored to the specific role they play on the team. 
Even like the strength and conditioning coach who's never gonna be on the field, he has a vital role in the development of the strength of his players. Strength training not only protects guys from injuries, but helps them play more effectively. And so his role is important. When we tend to look at people like the quarterback and the head coach and we say, well, if they just have those two pieces, then they're gonna be successful. But how many times has there been a great quarterback who can't win? Dan Marino comes to mind, broke all the touchdown passing records, never won a Super Bowl because he never had a complete team around him. There was always something missing. The same is true in the church. And again, I wanna remind you, God's plans will be accomplished. I'm not taking anything away from his sovereignty, but he has placed you here in 2023 to play a role and it's a role that is vital, whether it's behind the scenes or up front, whether it's inside these four walls or outside these four walls, he's called you to make a difference. He's placed a purpose within you. And, the, and if you do not play that role, the rest of the team, the rest of the body, the rest of the church is worse off. It's better when you're there. It's better with you. Come on, now you have to feel loved after that statement. It's better with you. Somebody may be sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I don't have much to offer. I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of skills. I don't have a lot of gifts. The psalmist said that God saw us before we were even born. He knitted us together, even in our mother's womb. He had a plan for us even then. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, he says, for we are his workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say good works. Which God prepared beforehand. Which God prepared beforehand. I didn't set you up good for that one, but um, <laughs> didn't work out like I thought it would. Um, the qualifier is not in that verse. The qualifier is before. It doesn't say if you have a lot of money, then, then, then you'll make a difference. He doesn't say if you're born in the right family, you make a lot. Of, no, he says, if, you, if you've been saved by faith, which is the gift of God, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he determined beforehand. Now this goes against our nature. It goes against my nature because I believe as, at least as Western Americans, we wanna pick our path. We wanna choose our own way. We want to depend on ourselves first. That's our go-to. And uh, I've heard it said, this country is built on the principle of finders keepers, okay? Like we want to go do it ourselves, but you don't get to pick your purpose. God designed you with a specific purpose in mind. He created you, he formed you for his purpose. He determined it before you did. It's up to us to discover it. Now, I'm not gonna get crazy. I'm not gonna run around the room, okay? I promise. Um, but I have a prop with me, okay? Um, any golfers in the room? Anybody like to golf? I'm just hitting all my hobbies today. Um, I thought about hitting like something off the stage, but um, I didn't think that would go very well. I like to golf. This is my seven iron. Um, I've had it about 10 years. It's my favorite club. Like I can smoke this thing 175 yards and I've hit some pretty amazing shots with it. I just, uh, you gonna brag a little bit. Now, what's also true is that I miss 65% of the time, okay? 
And yes, you're like, how do you know that? I'm the nerd with the app that tracks all of his stats during his round. And then um, I can evaluate my, my, my accuracy with, with my golf clubs. And then I think about how I can improve and all that stuff. That's lame. Um, so I have also used this seven iron besides playing. I, I, I've used it to um, get things out from under my couch, okay? <laughs> Um, I've used it to get the ball out of the neighbor's yard that my son threw in there and we didn't wanna go knock on their door. And so we're trying to get the baseball through the fence. I've used this seven iron for different things, but it is best used for hitting a golf ball. And in my hands, it's accurate, like I said, less than half the time. Now imagine with me, if the greatest golfer in the history of the game if I put this golf club into his hands, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, whoever, whoever your favorite is, and I, I said, okay, now you, you use it in their prime, they would infinitely be better with this in their hands than me. Their accuracy and effectiveness would be way better than mine. And here's the, here's the whole principle. Your life the value of your life is fully realized when you step into the purpose that God has designed you to live out. And you can kind of get clues of that. Anybody take personality tests or career tests when you were younger? Like you try to figure out what you, what, what you were gonna be good at. I did. And we can get, and, and we're pretty smart, I think. And we, we can sense our weaknesses and our strengths and what we're good at, what, we, what our interests are. And those things are clues into, I believe, how we're designed by God. But apart from him, we're gonna miss quite a bit. We may get some things right here and there, but we're, our, our, our effectiveness and our value isn't gonna be fully realized until we place our lives in the hands of the master. And when we place our lives in the hands of the master, it not only becomes more effective, it becomes infinitely more valuable. It be, or in fact, I would say it this way, our worth is fully realized. Now, are you valuable? Absolutely, you are an image bearer of God. But when you place your life under his lordship and, and firmly in his hands, it becomes more valuable. If, if this club had been used by Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus or somebody, it would be worth way more. I mean, I would go sell it on eBay and fund my 401k with it. Like I, it would be way more valuable. And the same is true about you. When you place your life in his hands, your worth is fully realized. As I said, you don't get to choose, but in the hands of God, I would also say your fulfillment is fully realized. We've all had moments and times in our life when Maybe we were getting a few things right, but there was just something off. I lived in this space when I was in my 20s, early 20s, when I didn't quite have the direction for my career and all the things that are, you're trying to decide at that young age. And now I was submitted to Christ. I had prayed and asked him to, to be my Lord and Savior. I'd made that decision, but I was still trying to do certain things my own way. I remember um, thinking that, I, well, first of all, the last thing I wanted to be was a pastor. My dad pastors a church, same church for like 37 years, still there. And he would say something to me like this once in a while. Hey, can you ever see yourself behind a pulpit or preaching a message? And I was like, no, never. And uh, that's the last thing I wanted. And so even though I wanted 
the benefits of, of a relationship with Christ, I didn't want to do it his way. And I was trying to carve it out my own plan for my life. And I took some accounting classes and I thought maybe that would be a good career. And there was a guy in our church that was the, the accountant for a fairly large company, a gravel company. And, he, and I asked him, I said, can I basically do an internship with you? They didn't really have an intern program, but he said, yeah, come to the office and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you and mentor you a little bit. And the whole time I sat in his office, we would do payroll and accounts receivable and payable and all that kind of stuff. And he would help me, I would help him with a little task. And he'd say, this is the worst job ever. If you can do anything else, do that. This has got to be last on your list. It's so depressing. It's awful, 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 terrible, terrible, terrible. And it was just like, man, I'd walk out of there and I was just like, okay, that's not working. And my, my relationships weren't working. There was always kind of tension there. And even with some friends and girlfriend and parents and all the things that like I was trying to do on my own. It was like I was trying to force a puzzle piece into a space that it just didn't fit. And something was off. And it wasn't clear to me because spiritually speaking, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm trying to follow Jesus. But then if I was honest with myself, I was trying to do certain things in my own way. I didn't trust God completely. And I had to come to a point where I said, God, I want what you want more than what I want. And I'm gonna accept your plan and leadership in my life. And like literally the next semester, I, I walked back to, uh, to, to the college, I didn't walk, I, I flew, went, drove to the college campus, started classes and I had no plan, no direction. And kind of out of the blue, I got invited to join a, a homiletics class that taught you how to prepare sermons. And it was the first class that I actually liked in college. And I didn't think I would. And I kept putting one foot in front of the other and it led to this place where I am today. And I've had some certain people go, how can I get your job? Your job seems so cool. And I'm like, I don't know how I got here. It wasn't my own doing. And your purpose is not your own doing. What God has called you to accomplish, what he has called you to step into, he's prepared it beforehand and it will fulfill you. It will be for your good. It'll also be for his glory. Does that mean there'll be like never be bad days? Of course not. There's gonna be challenges along the road. The enemy hates when we step into our purpose and we are confident in that. And so he will fight us. But the church is better when we carry out our role. Let me also, um, well, let me just jump to number three. If you're taking notes, here's the, here's the last one. The way you live out your purpose determines the health of his church. Now, again, God is not needy. His church will prevail. The gates of hell cannot stand against his church. And I chose the word health to try to communicate that it is just simply better when you're engaged, when you're involved, when you play the role that God has called you to play. Let me try to illustrate like this. Anybody ever step on a goat head? Okay, here's what, Here's what the verse says, 1 Corinthians 12, 24, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When you step on that goat head, your hands are not injured. Do your hands just say, ah, who cares? Like the foot, I don't care about the foot. I'm just gonna leave it. No, the whole body responds. I couldn't believe it one day. I'm walking through my bedroom in my bare feet. That should be the safe space, okay? And boom, right on a goat head in the carpet. And obviously what had happened is 
my wife tells us to take our shoes off of the door and uh, I don't do that all the time and I, and I paid for it and she knows best. And uh, I probably kept my shoes on and there was a goat head unknowingly on my shoe and it came off in the carpet and then a few minutes later, I stepped on it. The whole body responded like my voice responded. I didn't cry. I shrieked maybe a little bit too high for a man, but I did. And then, then, then I, I bend over, I take the pressure off the foot. I, 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 my eyes focus on the pain or the problem where the problem is located. My hands respond to remove the goat head so that my body can return to health. How many of you like compliments? Anybody like to be affirmed or thanked? And even if it's just like one person like to you, they say, hey, thank you. Or maybe they, maybe they did say you were good looking today. I don't know. Maybe that made your day brighter. And, and you smile a little bit. You, your shoulders go back. When you're affirmed or thanked or complimented, the whole body responds. Like your, your, your countenance lifts. Even in your physical posture, it changes. If you ever see a middle school kid that's looking down like this, just, just find something to compliment them and they will light up every single time doesn't have to be a middle school, it can be anybody, but just watch someone when you compliment them sincerely, the whole body changes. And what, what Paul is saying is, as a church, as a body of Christ, when one suffers, we all need to rally around that person. Now I get that in four services, there's people sitting on this side of the room that have no idea who is sitting on this side of the room. And you've been here for five years and you've never met, okay? In a church, this size and the way we operate, it's impossible for you to know every single person in our church. But it is possible that everyone is known by someone. I can't know everybody, you can't know everybody, but everybody can be known. We try to structure groups and, and Bible studies and serving teams and all the things. Underneath all of that is there needs to be a sense of community where you are connected with people who can rally around you on, in your time of need. Or maybe you're positioned there, not just to run a camera, not just to hold a door open, but to pray for that person who's doing it with you when they're going through a hard time. I, I, this summer, there's been life groups that have rallied around people with extreme medical challenges, house painting, um, yard work. Um, we, we've cleaned windows as a, as a student ministry. Four or five kids helped me one day clean. Actually, I didn't help. I just went and got the Dutch bros. They did all the work, okay? But there's little things that happen and it may not always be seen, but we're to respond to carry the burdens of one another and to lift each other up when we're hurting. And I wanna commend you because largely as a church, I think we do this so well, but don't forget it. Don't let your life just become about you. And I, I, I tend to be this way a little bit when I just want like my life to be smooth and I just think about my schedule and, and some level that discipline is healthy, but we can't be so myopic that we don't fulfill the role of being part of the church that responds to care for those around us. I don't know if that, does that make sense? Good, okay. I forget where I'm going next, where I gotta look at my notes. Okay, we're gonna end. This is where we're going. I wanna give you some pictures or steps to what I'm calling engagement. When you engage with Christ, 
there should be something visible. And I think there's a progression to it. And I, and full disclosure, um, at summer camp, my brother-in-law was the speaker and he used this and I totally stole this from him. I'm like, I'm using this, okay? So if you're wondering like where, how, where this came from and how good it is, it didn't come from me. So um, the first step, and I've already talked about this, the first step in living out our purpose, being the body of Christ is closeness, closeness to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're friends with me or not. It doesn't matter if you and I know each other well or not, or whether we fish together or, or whatever. But what matters is it that you're close to Jesus. And as I've, I've said, like so often we're wired to discover our gifts and our passions and our skill sets apart from, from God and then kind of work backwards. But the first step, if we're going to live out our purpose, if we're gonna live out our role, we have to be close to Jesus. Secondly, the second step, once we are close to Jesus, he begins to build and shape and restore, I would say, our character because sin has damaged us. Sin, sin has wreaked havoc in our lives. The Bible is clear that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God and we all are in need of some kind of healing or restoration. And when Christ and, 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 we, and us become unified, we're, we're in relationship with us, the first thing he begins to do is mold and shape us to become more and more like him. Now that doesn't mean he, he doesn't allow for differences. It's not like we're all cookie cutter Christians where we all look the same and have the same personality. No, he has wired you for a specific reason and, and a specific purpose and you're different than me on purpose. But he begins to mold and shape your character to begin to, to, to change your value system, your priorities, what you think is important at life will begin to change. Your desires will change. And as we continue to walk with him, we'll realize that things we did not want to do, things with, that we were kind of averse to are now suddenly fulfilling and desirable for us. You know, when I was growing up, it was kind of a joke in the church. If I get saved, God's gonna make me go to Africa, okay? And I've met people just in the last few weeks who want to live in Africa because they've been to Africa. They went to Kenya on our mission trip or what have you, and they've experienced something over there that maybe before they went, they were like averse to, but now their heart, a little piece of their heart, or maybe a lot of their heart is in Kenya because God has changed their value system. And by the way, this is not a guilt trip. Just because you have no desire to go to Kenya doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. But when you are united with Christ, your character begins to change and, and you're molded in such a way that you, de you desire the things of God. And once that takes place, then uh, uh, the other part of this is your past becomes settled. There's things that keep us awake at night that stress us out and rob us from our joy. But when we're, being formed and, and restored by Christ, those things become settled. And we don't have to live defined in our past. And then we can see our calling. That's number three. Calling becomes more clear. As your character is restored, your purpose becomes more clear. Your desires change, your value system change. And when your past is settled, you can see your future more clearly. Most of us drive. We cannot drive constantly looking in the rear view mirror. Now that's important in certain circumstances. But if that was my only focus, it would be dangerous. The, once my past is settled, I can look forward and my calling, my purpose becomes more and more clear. And finally, 
Once your calling is clear, God will give you the strength or the capacity, that's number four, capacity to carry out your purpose. He will not lead you towards regret. He will not lead you towards destruction. He will not lead you to a, a, a life of brokenness. Now that of course is caveated by there's people around you who are important people in your life, maybe even in your family that may or may not be on this journey with you. And that may mean that there's still some hardship in your life based on your own imperfections. I'm sure that I will make a mistake this week and do something that I will wish I would have done differently. We all have human frailties and human weaknesses. There's also other people in our lives that their human frailties, their weaknesses affect us and complicate our lives. And there's consequences for their actions and their sins that sometimes we have to carry. So caveated under all of this, how do you know that you're living out your purpose? I, I, at first I wrote down, it won't lead to you being worn out or burnt out but I'm not convinced that's entirely the case because I do think that if we are operating in our, in our own strength, God may lead us to a place where we're so tired, we have to depend on him. And Paul actually writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter one. He says, we were actually under so much persecution. There was, uh, it, there was like, they had a shipwreck and there was all these circumstances just piled up, sickness and all the things. And they were like, we wanted to die. That's how bad it was. And, and sometimes that's an expression in our everyday language and we don't really mean it. But the way that Paul wrote it was, it sounded like he meant it. That's how bad it was. But then he says in the next phrase, in the next verse, he says, but God allowed us to get to that place so that we would depend on him. And so, like I said, I don't think God's gonna lead you to a place of brokenness and regret and just leave you there. He may lead you to a place where you're so tired, you have to depend on him. But if you're already depending on him, it's going to be inspiring or fulfilling or it's gonna lift you up. I would also say that it won't rob you of your joy or emotions. Are there bad days? Probably. Will there be discouraging times? Probably. In fact, Jesus says, you will have trouble in this life, but take heart, I have overcome. And what he's saying is underneath of your circumstances, there's gonna be a joy, there's gonna be a peace that, that people around you won't understand. I have watched people walk through some of the hardest things that I cannot imagine. Death of, of loved ones and sickness of children and, and financial crisis and things that were outside of their control. And I've watched people who are in relationship with God somehow walk through that with a peace that I, I didn't even understand. And then I've watched people walk through just the tiniest of little bumps in the road, but, but because they're not in relationship with Christ, it's like this horrible, like rich people. I mowed grass in, in South Florida through college. Some of the most unhappy people that I ever met were the wealthiest of our society. Something was missing in their life. They were not fulfilled. And it wasn't because they didn't have quote unquote resources or capacity or luxury or whatever. It just wasn't in the right context. They were not united with Christ. And even though they had everything this life could offer, they weren't happy. God will always lead you to a place where there's underlying joy and peace. I would also say that God does not lead you to a place where your relationships become damaged. 
Now, again, there are people that may not be on this journey with you. Maybe they're not pursuing Christ. They're not united with Christ. And, and as you pursue God, it may feel like there's a distance growing between you. Maybe it's family, maybe it's friend, what have you. But if you live like Jesus has called you to live and you live with kindness and you have, you're, you're quick to forgive and you're honest and you're, you're compassionate and you're helpful, do those things enhance relationships or, or destroy them? I think it's pretty obvious that those things enhance relationships. Now, does that mean that people can't walk away from you and still hurt you? Absolutely not, they still can. But generally speaking, God will lead you up to a place that will lift other people up around you. Even in your own family, that's kind of the next one. God will not lead you to, to, to break apart your family, to, to break up your home, to break up your marriage. My first responsibility, your first responsibility is your family. If you have kids, if you have a spouse, God will not lead you to break away from those relationships. Maybe you're in a, in a, in a, in a home where not everybody is following Jesus. Maybe your spouse isn't here with you today. Maybe they have no interest in this journey that I'm talking about. But I've watched people who were in those kinds of relationships remain faithful to God and it actually brought about the salvation of their spouse, not always, but they were still able to live with, some, with a sense of joy and peace and fulfillment, even in that context. There may be some extreme circumstances where a divorce or, or separation is necessary, such as physical safety or, or infidelity or what have you. And, and I would encourage you to, to talk through that with people that are again on this journey but God will lead you to a place that is good for you. And that's the final thing is God will not lead you. If you're living out your purpose, it will not result in your spiritual brokenness. It was amazing to me that even at a Bible college, there was people that was going to classes with me. We're literally studying the Bible all day long and we're spiritually dry. When we just got right down to it and we were honest enough to talk about it, we were spiritually dry. It wasn't because God had moved us because our focus was, we were starting backwards. We had started with our capacity. We'd started with our calling. We had said, well, this is what I think I'm good at. This is what I think my skills are. And apart from God, I'm just gonna try to carve out my own plan. I'm gonna try to walk through the motions. I'm gonna sit in the services. I'm gonna do the things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna volunteer, whatever. And then the, the last thing, the last priority was the relationship with Christ himself. And we were missing it. But if we get the order right and we start with closeness, we start with him, we move from there and allow him to build our character and he makes our calling clear. We're not trying to manufacture it of ourselves and then rely on him for the capacity to carry it out. I really believe that it will be for his glory, your good, and the benefit of those around you. Do you agree? It's the word of God. I believe it. And um, the gates of hell, I said this before, they cannot stand against us when we live this way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness to me. Lord, I, I do not deserve your grace, your forgiveness. Lord, I have done so many things my own way, but I'm grateful for your kindness. And I'm grateful that you are, are gracious and, and long-suffering. You, you're the God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances, however many. Lord, I thank you that we are united as a church, but Lord, help us not to forget this. Lord, we have to get the order right. It's closeness before calling. We need to start with you. 
When we do that, we are, are significant in your kingdom. We, are, we have an important role to play. So I pray that you'd make that clear to every individual today. This is not a guilt trip to get them to sign up for nursery or whatever. Lord, I just want people to live out the purpose that you have decided and created for them. It's for your glory and for our good. We believe this and we ask for your help in walking in it. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for your kindness. Uh, remember, there's Summer Sundays next Sunday night. So if you need more details or want more details, ask us. Grace Kids is a little bit different starting today. So if you're not sure where to pick up, let us know. We'll see you next week.